Good morning, and we welcome to the program once again State Representative Randy Fry for his weekly legislative update. Good morning to you, Randy. Good morning, Tom. And, of course, the uh, first half of the uh, session and the uh, General Assembly is over with and uh, had uh, several bills of note that uh, came down the pike in the first half of the uh, session in the House. And, uh, and of course, uh, one of them being uh, the two-year state budget, Randy. Well, it is, Tom. Uh, House Bill 1001 is uh, probably the only real reason that we're in the legislative session this year. It's a budget se- uh, session, and uh, I think it's an amazing bill. Uh, House Bill 1001 this year accelerates the uh, tax cut for Hoosier income tax. Back in the 2021 budget, we started progressively cutting Hoosier's income tax rate down to 2.9% by uh, 2029. In this bill, this budget uh, cuts it quicker. We accelerated it to 2026. So not only does this budget have increases in funding, it also has decreases in, in uh, taxing on the on Hoosiers. So uh, it, it uh, has a, a healthy reserve. So if we do have difficult times, we can continue to fund Indiana. And then it increases uh, funding for many of the, the programs that uh, we all hold near and dear. Yeah, those being K through 12 education, uh, nearly uh, two billion dollars. Also, uh, suicide prevention for veterans. Uh, also, uh, volunteer firefighter training and uh, gear. And uh, also, uh, another thing, uh, Randy, is uh, increases in pay for uh, state police and uh, also funding mental health programs. All those, Tom, and a whole lot more. Uh, you mentioned the K through 12 education increase of two billion dollars. $2 billion is a number none of us dreamed of. For your listeners, that's not the total K-12 budget. That's just the increase in the budget. K-12 funding accounts for over 50% of the entire $38-plus billion budget. And so this is an increase of $2 billion. And our goal here is to get teacher pay, average teacher pay at $60,000. we are trying to increase funding to our schools so that we can recruit and retain the best teachers. Uh, And I think this is a huge step. Tom, in the past, the biggest increase that we would have had would have been $350 million, uh, $400 million. Last year, budget, 2021's budget, was, I think, $1.1 billion. And everybody thought, oh, my gosh, that's unreal. This is $2 billion. Billion with a B. (laughs) So this is a massive amount of money. That's going to go to K through 12 to try to bring our schools and our teachers pay up to where they they should be, and then and competitively across the country. And uh, for your listeners, there's no increase in their taxes in this. This is done because we were able to live within our means. We we're able to uh, continue to uh, grow our economy, which grows Indiana's revenue without having to uh, tax the people. And then another bill, uh, Randy, was uh, House Bill 1002. House Bill 1002 is a bill that uh, is uh, is transforming high school education. Um, what it does is it allows for um, merging of the pathways, you might say, between those who are um, going to college, college prep classes and those who do career technical. And uh, what it allows is it allows for you to do both. We know that uh, some students don't know exactly what they want to do when they're freshmen or sophomores. And so we want them to have the ability to explore both 
and technical in college. So uh, years ago, there in Batesville, uh, Bessler Farm Equipment was on East Pearl Street. When I was in high school, uh, I went to school four hours a day, and I worked at Bessler Farm Equipment four hours a day. Now, Tom, I went on to college, but I still use some of those skills that I learned at Bessler Farm Equipment today. And so it's very important that we give a young person the opportunity to experience what it's like at a current technical job, even as they may be preparing for college. And uh, we need both those. Uh, we need college-educated students, and we need uh, career uh, and technical professionals to take care of our electric, our heating, and air conditioning, and plumbing, things like that. Yeah, so it gives them, basically it's a uh, an opportunity for uh, students to uh, decide whether uh, college is right for them or if they uh, decide to go into a trade. I mean, it's pretty much, uh, I guess uh, you could say, uh, kicking the tires on uh, on their future, so to speak. It is, and, and it allows them through apprenticeships to work on a uh, maybe a machine shop like Baseball Tool and Die. They're, they're very helpful with this program. They can learn uh, and see... Uh, maybe uh, working at EMS, maybe at the hospital, and they can begin to see, do I like this career? I don't know how many times, and I'm one of them, I've heard of young people who went to college and changed their major after their first year. Well, it's because you just don't know what you want to do until you get in in that position. And so this gives them a much better chance at determining what I really enjoy, what is it I really want to do. All right, and then another bill, Randy, is House Bill 1006, and um, you enlighten us on uh, what that entails. House Bill 1006, Tom, is a continuation of the work that we began several years ago with the Jail Overcrowding Task Force. We, uh, we knew our jails were overcrowded, but when we asked the question why, we got lots of answers, but we had no data to back it up. So the Jail Overcrowding Task Force uh, was able to produce data for us that we can then begin to to determine what the real causes were and then begin to address those causes. Uh, You remember last year I had uh, House Bill 1004, which allowed for convicted level six felons to be transferred to Department of Corrections. We did that uh, so that they could receive the mental health and drug addiction treatment that they needed immediately versus uh, a county jail, not all county jails, were uh, not being able to treat, treat these folks, but some weren't, or they weren't treating them very, very quickly or, or very, very well. The outcome wasn't there. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to give these folks the opportunity uh, uh, to get mental health treatment and drug addiction treatment in lieu of going to jail. What this bill allows is it allows for a police officer to transport an individual that the officer suspects is either uh, addicted uh, to a substance or is um, mentally ill to a mental health facility for evaluation. Now, Tom, this doesn't mean that this, this individual is going to be um, um, turned loose. You're not, this isn't a way that you're going to get away from being responsible for your behavior. But the, in the, it is a way for an individual to begin getting the treatment that they need as soon as possible so that their behavior that got them in contact with the police to start with maybe will come to an end. That's the goal, is to allow these folks to have their life restored uh, 
so that they can become productive citizens. Because our jails, and we found out this through the Jail Overcrowding Task Force, our jails have become our mental health uh, facilities, and they were never designed for that. Yeah, no doubt, no, and uh, not equipped to uh, deal with those issues. And uh, as far as the um, uh, the prisoner being in the mental health facility, is it uh, similar to when a uh, suspect in a crime is uh, wounded and they go to the hospital, and then they, uh, and then eventually they're uh, turned over to the uh, to the authorities uh, for the uh, you know booking and arraignment and so forth. I mean, is that going to work uh, pretty much the same way? It'd be somewhat similar, yes. Um, this individual is going to uh, be evaluated, and if they need to stay in the mental health facility, that's where they'll stay. If they need to be transported to the jail, then that's where they'll go. And so that, that's the entire uh, gist of all of this, is uh, to determine what's the best course to restore this individual back to a healthy lifestyle and hopefully, hopefully stop this uh, destructive behavior. All right, and then with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick time out, and we'll continue our conversation with State Representative Randy Fry right after this. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let To Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To Go, big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back as we continue our weekly visit with Randy Fry, State Representative, House District uh, 67. And, uh, of course, uh, one bill that you had, uh, one of yours, Randy, was uh, House Bill 1034. And uh, this revolves around exempting active military from the Indiana income tax. It does, Tom. And this is a, a bill I authored, and I've had it for two or three years and didn't get a hearing this year. It did. It passed unanimously. Passed unanimously in the Veterans Affairs Public Safety Committee, which I chair. Passed unanimously in Ways and Means, and it passed unanimously in the House Chamber. Almost all representatives are co-authors of this bill. So it's a very popular bill. Uh, and what it does is it allows the active duty military to be exempt from Indian income tax. What we found, Tom, was that um, when our young people join the military, they will tell um, the folks who do their pay, they don't live in Indiana. They live in Tennessee or they live in Texas. They live in Florida because they don't have income tax. And so we not, not, we don't necessarily lose the tax. We lose the citizen. And later on, when it's time for them to uh, end their military career, uh, they don't always come back to Indiana. Um, we want them to stay citizens of Indiana the entire time, and we want them to uh, finish their career and then finish the rest of their life as Hoosiers. So um, hopefully that this uh, particular bill will move through the Senate and have the same result it has in the House. Um, I'm, uh, I'm obviously the author, and I'll be uh, working hard to try to get that through. And that's also a, it brings up another thing, the fact that uh, come census time, you know, Indiana's numbers are down, and then uh, it could eventually uh, lead to uh, a loss of a uh, you know, House in Congress and, uh, and so forth. I mean, all, just all kinds of uh, ripple effects. And federal funding. Yep. Federal funding mm -hmm. is tied to population. And so as we lose population, we lose federal funding. So instead of losing the state income tax that people seem to be worried about, we're actually losing federal money. Uh, and another thing is I think it's fairness, Tom. Uh, um, 
We exempt retirees from the military, their income tax. We exempt um, National Guard. We exempt reserves, but we don't act active duty. And frankly, most active duty military aren't in Indiana anyway. They're not using the roads. They're not using the services that the state of Indiana provide. They're in some other far off land protecting our freedom. So to me, it's just a uh, it, it's just something that we owe our heroes and something that we should uh, have done a while back. But I'm happy that it's got a chance this year. Yeah, again, uh, loss of federal funding, one of those aforementioned uh, ripple effects of a loss of, you know, in the uh, numbers going down the census. And uh, uh, looking ahead to uh, this week, uh, Randy, uh, you know, of course, today beginning the second half of the legislative session. And uh, uh, yeah. what what can we uh, look for there? As the second half starts, Tom, bills that passed the Senate uh, have now moved to the House. And the bills that passed the House in the first half have moved to the Senate. And so these particular bills, uh, they um, they cannot be heard either in the uh, the uh, Senate or the House if they haven't passed in the other chamber. And so that's that's what uh, has happened now. Any bill that did not pass in the first half is dead. That's the bill in the House bill. And so literally, seventy five percent of the bills filed in the House died uh, at the end of the first half. And, and most likely, that's for good reason. Uh, they uh, Not all bills died because they weren't good, but some bills died because they weren't good. Some bills died because the author didn't ne- never wanted them to be law. Uh, they filed it for another reason. So now what we'll work on are bills that have passed the other chamber, and uh, there will be a far less number, and uh, we'll be uh, working on them in the second half. And at the end of the second half, one would think we're done, but we're not. And that would be when we work on conference committee, where we reconcile the difference between the House bill and the Senate bill. As you know, no bill can go through the to the governor for a signature that hasn't passed both chambers identically. Um, something I wanted to make a note, Tom, is that these are bills. Until a bill goes to the governor for a signature, it's not a law. So I know that some of your listeners may be thinking, wow, this is a great idea. I'm looking forward to getting that benefit. Just understand that until these things are signed into law, they're not laws. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, a lot, you know, of course, uh, you and I are aware of it, but a lot of folks uh, are not, and or they uh, mm-hmm. they they think that uh, once it's passed, that it's a it's a a law, but it's not a law until the governor either signs it or it goes into law mm-hmm. without his uh, without a signature, or or if it's vetoed, it's uh, become it's overridden. The veto is overridden and becomes law. So, but uh, I, I was I was astounded by this uh, stat, Randy. Seventy five percent of bills uh, filed by uh, representatives this year died at the end of the first half. That's pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, okay. Generally, there'll be around a thousand bills filed, and about two hundred and twenty five bills actually go to the governor. So, some bills are filed that are the same as a bill that passed. Some bills are filed because someone wanted to make a statement. They knew it would never become law, but they wanted to do it anyway. Some bills are filed uh, because someone had a passion for it, but there wasn't enough support of the other members of the chamber. Uh, a good friend of mine and a really good legislator said to me one day, well, I'm going to file a bill. And I said, well, that's a great idea. But until you get a support of 51 reps and 26 senators, all you have is a bill. And so that, that my point is that uh, sometimes we as legislators decide we're going to file a bill, um, but it, it doesn't go anywhere. And so it, it's very difficult to get a bill to the governor. It, it has to go 26-0, and 0, 
and you know sectionals right now. Anybody <laughs> trying to go twenty six and zero is really tough. Yeah. And so that's that's what it takes to get a bill through. Yeah, indeed. And uh, one final note, uh, Randy, some uh, okra grants uh, for uh, southeastern Indiana, Milan and Ripley County getting uh, 700000 each to uh, support water improvement projects. And also another one, uh, one for the uh, Children's Advocacy Center in Madison. That's, that's right, Tom. Uh, the Children's Advocacy Center uh, helps these abused children. And I, I can't for the life of me imagine how anyone could abuse a child. I can't. It, it's just to me the definition of evil, but these children are abused. And when they are, they have to have an uh, ability to return to a healthy life. And so that's what we want is uh, to give them the, at least a chance to maybe get their life back together or have, have a chance in a happy and productive life. So the Children's Advocacy Center does just that. It, it does that type of work uh, with these young people. And so in Madison, uh, there was a facility purchased um, oh, a year or so ago and that facility has to be renovated and, uh, and made usable for the kids. And so Okra uh, gave a grant of $500,000 for the renovation. And it's going to be a beautiful facility there. And um, I give a shout out to some of the folks who work so hard on this, uh, Mary Beth Boone uh, down in Madison, and uh, the girls at uh, Southeast Indiana Regional Planning in Versailles. They are amazing. The uh, staff of the Children's Advocacy Center, all of them worked extremely hard in order to get this grant, and uh, we're very proud of that. Indeed. And um, once again, uh, Randy, uh, where can folks uh, get a hold of you uh, during the session? 317-512-0128. All right. Well, State Representative Randy Fry, as always, we appreciate your time this morning. Stay well, and we will talk to you again next Monday. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you.